this week, just a few days ago, we celebrated Halloween. And then, as happens the day after Halloween, Starbucks released their holiday cups. And we were reminded of the debate, maybe not as scandalous before, of the holiday cups. By the way, your clergy team and many of your staff, we just, we just avoid that entire scandal by meeting at Compass Coffee where the cups are the same all year long. <laughs> On Halloween, you likely handed out candy and we celebrated a day that turned out to be a lovely celebration of community and neighborliness. We went trick-or-treating in our area, and I love that there were folks sitting out at the end of their driveway or in their yards with their solo stoves, turning their garages into haunted houses, sipping wine, handing out candy, blasting music, and complimenting children on their costumes. It's a reminder of what can be if we all decided at one time to just take the evening off and peacefully party in our streets. It's a day, too, when the atmosphere seems like a thin space, when the distance between the living and the dead is not so vast, when the fall foliage is starting to give way to those wisps of winter, nature's death in its own way, before the showy renewal of spring in a few months. It's a seasonal space between life and death. We also have the tension between skeleton decorations and tombstones in our yard and ghosts in our trees. We dress our children up, we go trick-or-treating, and we're very aware of the real horrors that are out there. We don't really need to imagine boogeymen and scary clowns, but we do need to laugh in the face of death sometimes. We do need to confront our fears, and party while we may, since tomorrow is not promised. But we know the death toll of war, the innocent people who have been slaughtered, their names already unknown and forgotten. We didn't really need this year to be reminded that death exists or go out of our way to scare ourselves with spooky clowns. I mean, why are spooky clowns a thing anyway, really? In between the end of spooky season and the start of putting up our Christmas decorations, we observe All Saints. I mean, there's Thanksgiving too, but that's coming. But today is All Saints Sunday, a time of honoring and remembering our saints, those who have died, those who are still living, those who have shown us the face of God, those who have taught us what it means to love. Diana Butler Bass is a writer, theologian, and she gifted the internet with some helpful words this week for anyone who's been holding that tension between the celebration of Halloween and the global violence on the news. As she wrote about All Saints Day, she said, one thing I know with near certainty is that the strange community of the dead whose lives are remembered for courage or sacrifice or some sacred absurdity, were haunted by fears, too. You can't be a saint without a precarious awareness of the thin place, 
without knowing the knife's edge of life and death. This past week, on top of all that is awful globally and nationally, Matthew Perry died. And sure, he's one person, one celebrity, and thousands of other people died this week too. And yet, his death is in the news. It's in our conversations and our cultural chatter. Perhaps Matthew Perry's death represents an end to a simpler world, where friends gather at coffee shops to share laughter and happiness and even pain. Maybe you've watched the show, and maybe you've thought about his death as well. TV shows, especially sitcoms, may seem trivial and silly, but they are important parts of our culture. Even if it's something to put on as background noise or a show that is so familiar you don't really need to pay attention or follow along while you answer email. A show like Friends with such popularity has been an important presence in our culture. Anthropologist Clifford Geertz famously said that culture is the story we tell ourselves about ourselves. The story we tell ourselves about ourselves. And that includes everything from language and clothing to music and art to social media and even religion. It's everything that is not natural and inherent to our nature, meaning it's what we make and what we learn and what we pass along. So even a sitcom, a silly sitcom with a laugh track, says something about who we are, something about our relationships, something about navigating life within those connections, and our need for other people, our need for friends. When we celebrate All Saints, we remember the great cloud of witnesses, those past and present, united together, our friends and family members and people we have never met, all linked together in our webs of connectivity, in our ties of love, united ultimately in God's love and regard for each of us. Last week with Jesus, we talked about the greatest commandment to love God with your full self and to love our neighbors, to love each other the way we love ourselves, and how that really everything in life and how we are supposed to live comes down to love. How we treat others, how we regard human life is sacred. How we resist violence, how we resist retaliation, how we resist supporting war is because of love. And it isn't easy. Jesus certainly did not promise easy. He promised quite the opposite, in fact. But he also promised to be with us, always. Even when we are mourning, even when we are poor in spirit or thirsting for righteousness, God is with us. In today's scripture lesson, we find that Jesus is sitting on the side of a mountain and he is teaching, teaching his disciples, his friends, surrounded by crowds of people anxious to hear his words, words about God. Blessed are the Jesus begins, 
And we often think about this passage as being about us, a description for who we should be, as a list of instructions. We should be meek, we should be hungry for justice, we should be merciful, we should be pure in heart, we should be peacemakers, but also we should be persecuted, <laughs> we should be reviled. It's a mix of things to really want to wish for, and we might wonder if this is not sort of a, a grab bag situation where maybe we could mix and match and pick what we would like and what we would like to set aside. For God's favor in my life, must I mourn and be reviled? Or could I just stick to acts of mercy and peacemaking? But Jesus isn't instructing the people on how to be. Rather, he's offering a description of how we are. And we so often want this to be about us, instructions for us, how we should be, what we should do, but really, it's more about God. Remember, too, that Jesus is preaching to a group of people who very much believed that all good things were a direct blessing from God and that misfortune was a punishment. The counterpart to this language of blessing is curses. So instead of declaring yourself to be cursed, if you are suffering or reviled or persecuted, reverse that and imagine instead that you are blessed. That instead of God abandoning us during times of mourning and pain, that that is when God is especially with us. The word blessing, especially in this passage, is sometimes translated in a confusing way into happy right? Happy are they who, which is confusing because we think happy is supposed to be, you know, smiling all of the time. But it comes from the word ashar, which in English is more like to find the right road. So imagine instead, happy are they, blessed are they, blessed are they when we find the right road. Perhaps because precisely God is with us, caring for us, carrying us, lifting us up, crying alongside of us, or just sitting with us in sorrow. This passage is also called the Beatitudes. And as Jesus is speaking, he's traveling across verb tenses as well. Blessed are, for they will be present tense to future tense. Tim Beach Verhe, who's a theologian and writer, one of the writers and commentaries and the one feasting on the word, says that the future tense confesses that the world is not currently as the Beatitudes describe it. The present tense implies not only that the future reign of God is guaranteed, but also that it is already really through the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. His presence can be already felt and seen in the world. We think of the people that we have loved and lost, not truly lost, but who are not physically present with us in this life. And sometimes it all just seems worse right now, difficult and heavy and sad. 
And when we are tempted to give in to those feelings of hopelessness, may we remember that if it hurts, it is because we care. If our hearts break, it's because we love. That if we feel righteous anger or fear or even despair, that it is all because of love. Love promises that we will still feel all of those things, all of the beautiful and painful things. In the article that I referenced earlier from Diana Butler Bass, she continued. She said, mostly I want my friends not to feel so afraid. Perhaps the gravitational pull of the universe isn't emptiness. Maybe it is love. Think about that again, that perhaps the gravitational pull of the universe isn't emptiness. Maybe it is love. Blessed are the worriers, blessed are the panicked, blessed are the concerned, blessed are the stressed, blessed are the heartbroken, blessed are the tender-hearted, for they will see God. <laughs>